you ever been desperate to create without any of the means or motivation to do so? Big mood, I know. Tell me if you've ever experienced this sensation before. You can envision that masterpiece to be of yours perfectly in your mind, but that page in front of you, it's still blank. When you put your hands to the plow, they refuse to respond. You're paralyzed without explanation. What is this struggle, you ask? This, my friend, is called a block. And today, we're breaking it down. Every creative outlet has its own obstacles, from knitting to cooking to sculpting. For the purpose of ease, let's focus on one all too close to home for yours truly, the dreaded writer's block. While no dictionary has officially adopted this phrase, Wikipedia, of all places, provides a surprisingly thorough description of our alleged phenomena. Writer's block is a condition in which an author is unable to produce new work or experiences a creative slowdown. This creative stall is not a result of commitment problems or the lack of writing skills. The condition ranges from difficulty in coming up with original ideas to being unable to produce a work for years. Writer's block is not solely measured by time passing without writing. It is measured by time passing without productivity in the task at hand. Well, now we have a name for our affliction. Heck, we even have the consolation that it's not caused by our own ineptitude or laziness. But identification won't cure us. We need to know the source, not just the symptoms. That begs the question, what causes these blocks to pop up? Any number of reasons could be to blame for the blockage, but three in particular sum up the consensus. One, limited resources. Two, emotional turmoil. And three, physical impairment. What do I mean by limited resources? Well, everyone only has so much to work with. So much time, so much money, so much knowledge. This can be allotted as need be from day to day, but all of our individual lives demand more in certain areas. A parent of three kids will likely have less time to devote to creative pursuits than someone living the single life. A lack of education in the arts could leave you with less tools in your arsenal to conquer your creative dreams than the person teaching you to paint on Skillshare. These resource parasites siphon off what could otherwise be devoted towards our artistic interests. Of course our brain refuses to cooperate. It's already overwhelmed by what life otherwise requires of it. Now we're asking it to expend more energy? It has nothing left over to offer. If we are to survive the onslaught of daily life and still unleash our creative potential, we need to strategize. We need to redistribute our resources. All right, class, let me ask you a question. What is the most commonly prioritized resource? That's right, money. It makes the world go round, doesn't it? In this modern day hustle culture, we monetize our professional careers and our personal lives alike. Why? Because our attention lies in our finances. Sure, there's plenty to be said about this apparent obsession, but it does grant us the strategy we're looking for, budgeting. As an adult, you need to budget lest the bills be left unpaid in favor of pizzas and party favors. If we can budget our money, we can budget all other elements of our lives too. Yes, it means less naps. Yes, it means more discipline. Yes, it means less drive-throughs and more food prep. But above all of that, it provides us a means of accomplishing what we feel is significant in life. If we're bound to end up drained either way, better to let our heads hit the pillow with fulfillment instead of with emptiness. Believe it or not, your boy here worked in the finest department of his business for many a year, 
our CFO, or Chief Financial Officer for anyone illiterate in corporate lingo, took an approach to budgeting that revolutionized my thinking. Whenever she built a budget, her number one question was, how do we make this possible? It would have been easy to find any number of reasons why a request was not possible, but we had a mission, a vision we wanted to fulfill. Our part was not to inhibit it, but bring it to fruition by any means possible. Bring this mindset against your block. If this block tells you that you don't have time to create, carve out time slots in your schedule by slimming back other activities or delegating responsibilities to those you trust. If this block swears your wallet won't cooperate, find a means of generating funds or cutting down on superfluous expenses so you can afford art classes or supplies. If this block has convinced you that you can't think of anything, turn to others for a source of brainstorming or search up prompt generators online to seek out alternative inspiration. But like with any budget, not anything is possible. At times, the answer to our problems was to wait. Some seasons will max out our budgets beyond control. That is not your fault. In fact, a shift in focus means our significance needs to lie elsewhere in life for a time. That's natural. That's healthy. That's progressive. We have a saying in Christianity, having done all, stand. It means that when you've done everything required of you, endure. Endure until the onslaught relents. These resources, however limited, can be replenished given the time to rest and the planning to allot them properly in the future. That takes us to the second leading cause of writer's block, emotional turmoil. Anyone else grow up under the assumption that depression enhanced creativity? Psychologists have studied us oh-so-intriguing creatives for quite some time now. This research concluded that a link existed between illness and inspiration. Uh, by a show of hands, how many of us have a mental illness, professionally diagnosed or not? Great, okay, now raise your hand again if you feel especially motivated or empowered to write when suffering the effects of your illness. Crickets, right? Look, I'm no scientist, but it doesn't take a genius to know that having a mental illness as a creative does not mean that illness helps us in our creative activities. It is an incorrect assertion that will ensnare us in pain for the sake of productivity. We do not need to glorify we do not need to glorify our struggles in the hopes of harnessing inspiration. Joy, peace, love, these sources are just as powerful to draw on without the drawbacks that their darker counterparts present. God bless Barbara Friedrichsen because she studied how states like contentment open our minds for greater creativity and flexibility. Meanwhile, if we're mad, sad, scared, that brain of ours grows awfully narrow. In fact, you might just say those pathways become blocked. But Homestead, you may be asking, if I'm already in a bad place, shouldn't I just create my way out of it? Look, you can create in times of pain. If it helps you, you should create in dark seasons. But you do not need the darkness to feed your mind. Unfortunately, one such example of the latter comes to mind. Have any of you ever read Sylvia Plath's writing? Her work is breathtaking but it's also heartbreaking. She wrote through some of the darkest days of her life, and it shows. Her creativity was inherently a gift to this world, one that was taken so swiftly because she never attained wholeness. It's not my place to blame Plath or anything of the sort, but it is my hope that you will take steps to ensure your ending is not premature. 
As someone who has walked through countless seasons of grief, let me assure you that standing on solid ground does not dry up your inspiration, nor does it keep you from writing authentic pieces about sorrow or tragedy. In fact, reaching the other end will help you bring a different tone to the exact same story, canvas, or lyric. That tone will give people hope in hardship instead of drowning them and you in it. Your health is more important than anything you create. Remember that. Believe that. Speak it to yourself over and over again until you believe it. Shout it to the rooftops if you must, but don't let that negative emotion master your art. Perhaps the most potent cap to our creativity is not an illness, but a sensation we fend off time and time again. Fear. Our emotions multiply over time, devising new means of dividing us. And fear is no different. Fear of wasted time, fear of rejection, fear of an imperfect product, the list only expands. We are all too familiar with these phobias. What we do not recognize is how they masquerade as reasonable. Have you ever said any of the following? I don't want to waste time on the wrong project. The world might need something else more. I wouldn't risk writing something potentially unwanted, undesirable, or God forbid, offensive. Why not let my work be the best it can be, even if that means taking a whole lot of extra time on it? I'll tell you why. Because all of these are stumbling blocks to completion. I know, because I've repeated these exact sentiments to myself all too many a time. Still do, in fact. I fight every day to write anyway, because these perspectives prohibit me from growing. Growth demands pain. Growth demands pain, true but avoiding it means evading triumph, too. So, how do we fend off fear? I'm going to suggest an unconventional practice. Acceptance. Accept who you are and what your work will be like at this point in time. Aspire to be more tomorrow, certainly, but accept that what you do today will bring you closer to that aspiration tomorrow, even if it is temporarily imperfect. The truth is that we have to learn how to love and trust ourselves in order to create. If we don't, We'll be immobilized by what others think of our work because the power to validate it is in their hands. Look, I'm a man of faith and I leave my validation up to Jesus. That is a closed deal. I know he loves me, even when I and anyone else are a hot mess of nerves, insecurity, and poor decision making. But even I struggle with accepting myself on the daily. And I can't imagine how much harder that would be for me without the relationship I have with God. But I can assure you that regardless of your religious beliefs, you are worth believing in. You are an artist. That means you have something innately beautiful to bring to this world. You have a creative purpose here. Remember that whole talk we had about significance last time? These mindsets reinforce a pursuit of success, not significance. Stop chasing success. You can be vastly significant without it. And if nothing else, your mind will experience more freedom on the daily without the pressure to perfect what it thinks up. Last but not least, we have one final block to demolish. Physical impairment. This can apply to people diagnosed with anything from arthritis to chronic fatigue syndrome to cancer. The level of which your body is affected by a force outside of your control does not make your struggles to create more or less valid than any other. These inflictions require strength to persevere through. Strength that drains from the same source that produces art. I can speak to this myself. For most of my life, I functioned off of about five or so hours of sleep per night without a problem. 
Yet, I was recently diagnosed with a condition that requires me to sleep for a minimum of 8 hours a night just to reach what would be about 20% of other people's energy levels. This changed everything I knew about how to live, including how to create through newly limited means. But maybe you have no chronic condition to speak of. That doesn't necessarily exclude you from this category. Those who suffer from exhaustion or endure consistent considerable levels of stress would also be in line with this lane of thinking. After all, don't those also draw from your willpower? Put a sleep-deprived person in a cozy chair late at night, and no amount of motivation will keep that body from slumping over top of their computer for an impromptu snooze. Even those who peel themselves off the keyboard would have a hard time typing anything on it when their internal batteries stand in desperate need of a recharge. So how do we offset this inspirational drought when our bodies need a snooze? Why, with spoons, of course! Have you ever heard of spoon theory? A friend taught it to me when I first confided in them about my diagnosis. According to Christine Miserandino, who had been diagnosed with lupus, we're allotted a certain number of spoons each day. One spoon equates to the energy required to complete one activity. The number of spoons one has might differ drastically from day to day and from person to person. We need to count our cutlery sooner rather than later and keep track of how the changes in life affect it. When we're out of spoons, we're out of the energy you would need to complete tasks, entertaining or otherwise. And if you're chronically ill like me, chances are that we will permanently have less spoons to work with than other people. Just like we budget our resources, budget our spoons. Plan each day what we will accomplish. These tasks cannot all be labor-oriented, lest burnout come quickly and incurably. It might not be ideal for one-and-done people like me, but rest and recreation are just as important to prioritize as our responsibilities. Without them, we will become embittered towards what we have to do in lieu of what we get to do. You need to account for times of creativity in your day. But when, you ask? At pit stops. Determine times throughout each day where you can force yourself to rest. The type of rest can be different for each individual. For example, one person might choose to read books or play games. Another might choose to talk with friends on the phone. I had to take these times to literally sleep because of the nature of my condition, but it kept me from collapsing midday otherwise. Whatever you do, do not be creative. I know it's hard, especially when you're on a roll or feel like you have free time. If you have an idea, jot it down, definitely don't lose it but don't focus on it, because creating takes a spoon, sometimes many spoons, and this is our time to replenish the silverware. When you're in a season of inspirational drought, you might recognize that your spoons need some reorganizing. Instead of producing, you might need to take more time to rest, or even research. My suggestion? Use the experts game to learn new facts. Never heard of it? It's pretty simple. Find uh, three to six people. Give them five minutes each to talk about one obscure topic they're passionate or knowledgeable about. When they finished, connect the ideas together to form something new. Businesses use this to develop new products, so why can't we repurpose it to develop new world-building elements or plot concepts? Even if you write in fantasy or science fiction universes where the laws of our world don't really have to apply, these help us to expand our intellectual scope and get our brains firing on different cylinders again. Might I provide one last bit of advice, no matter what the cause of this block is? Be patient. We live in an instant gratification society. Advertisements and buzzwords feed this mentality even subconsciously. We need to try what Professor Schnitker calls reframing. 
looking at a hardship as an opportunity. Droughts are times to recharge. There are times to be with family and friends. There are times to weed out the deep pains in our lives that make us ineffective and inefficient during times of consistent creativity. Think of these as times to prepare, like how farmers prepare for when the rain returns. If you're not prepared, your fields will flood and all will be lost. But the farmer who plants his fields accordingly will reap a plentiful harvest in the end because they chased off the vermin, they replenished the soil, and they awaited the answer they couldn't control. In the artistic community, we tend to utilize farming analogies like these when it comes to the cultivation of creativity. In this same vein, correlate inspiration with rain. Rainfall is a blessing to farmers because it means they need not waste time watering the seeds they've sown. But if a farmer refuses to water their crops otherwise, the entire field will die during the drought in between storms. Whether the rain lasts for a single hour or for an entire week, we must persist in nurturing the seeds we've sown until water falls on us once more. And if that means one water source dries up and we need to dig another well, so be it. Appreciate the rain while it lasts. Cultivate the fields while it doesn't. For anyone feeling creatively blocked in any avenue, I am genuinely sorry. It can be debilitating, I know, not to mention disheartening. But don't let your disappointment turn to despair. Hold on to hope, my friend. The rain will fall again. Before we part ways for the day, I want to end with a prayer for anyone enduring a drought. You might assume I'd believe that the drought will end here and now, that all will be well as soon as we shut up. But that would ruin the point now, wouldn't it? No. No, this is my prayer. I pray that the drought would end in its time. For the rain to come at the right moment. For patience to be treasured instead of abhorred. And for us to learn how to cherish seasons of preparation and dormancy, rather than despise them. If you stuck around for the entire talk and think you might like to come back, why not click that fancy follow button on Spotify or the subscribe button and bell on YouTube so that I save you a spot when I set the table. Until that time comes, may the road before you be abundant in adventure, inspiration, and encouragement. Should the path grow dark, stay kind and seek light. If all else fails, always remember, there's a place here to welcome you home when the world outside has made you weary.